0: Hey, dear listeners, today's guest is the incredibly talented actress Alexandra Daddario, who you may know from the Percy Jackson movies, Baywatch, San Andreas, and the soon-to-be-released horror thriller, We Summon the Darkness, which will be available on digital and on-demand April 10th. Before we begin the episode, I wanted to read a letter from Tori. Tori writes, Hi Anna, I wanted to share my unqualified journey with you and give you some feedback. I started listening to the podcast when I returned from a deployment beginning of 2019. Backstory, I'm in the Navy and was a female enlisted sailor stationed on a submarine. Kind of rare, it's a new thing for the Navy. I was only able to get through a few episodes before my crew was sent out for another deployment. I have finally caught up. I wanted to tell you that I really appreciate how you give advice to your callers and how you approach each problem differently. There is no cut and dry answer for every situation because people are all different. For example, you have a lot of callers ask questions about their long distance relationships. Some seem like they are okay with it and some are not. My now husband and I spent over a year and a half apart with no communication other than email because of our opposing deployment schedules. It was tough, but we were the type of people who got through it another example is all the questions you get about military problems every case is different and a lot of people in the military ruin it for others but the real challenge is just a matter of the military controlling every aspect of our lives and the difficulty of getting time off anyways i love the podcast and have been a huge fan of yours since the beginning tori Tori, thank you so much, and clearly I love giving advice about things that I know nothing about. We do get a lot of military calls, and I would love more feedback because it's obviously an experience I've never experienced, nor could I. I I'm such a baby. But thank you, Tori, and thank you, dear listeners. I continue to wish for your good health and happiness during these difficult times. Please know I'm just thinking about you. Meanwhile, please help the Unqualified community grow by sending us your questions, your answers, and your stories. Just go to our website, unqualified.com. And now here she is, Alexandra Daddario.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris.
0: and how are you doing? Are you getting restless? Yeah, I mean, a little
2: restless, but I feel good. I feel, you know, lucky. I think everyone's scared and it's hard, but I have two people I'm quarantining with, two girlfriends, and we're just lucky to have each other, you know? it's. I think it would be a lot harder if I was alone.
0: Do you guys make love at night? Oh, we've talked about it. I just wanted to dive
2: deep with you. <laughs> I, please, I'm totally willing. Um, no, we've actually discussed it. We have talked about how great it would be if we could make love to each other. Yeah. Unfortunately, it's just... We're not... Interested in that way.
0: And quarantine threesomes, that presents a whole different challenge. Can you even imagine if
2: jealousy gets involved? It would just be a disaster and you can't leave the house, so what would you do? Right.
0: It would be awful. A female threesome friendship is difficult enough. That's right. But then to add, you know.
2: To add a sexual element is not something... No, I mean, it's great. The three of us actually get along really, really well, which is great because we all know that when you live with someone, you never know what can happen, but we get along swimmingly. So it's been a positive experience.
0: How's your family?
2: They're fine. They're quarantined and safe and totally fine. So I'm relieved. So at the moment, we're all just sort of, I mean, all you can do is just sort of stay put and wait. And that's... I think, counterintuitive to a lot of people who want to do things. But this is what we need to do right now.
0: Alexandra, you're so right. Initially, and it sounds so fucking out of touch. Initially, I was like, woo! Like, mm, I'm at home and I, I love to cook. I'm not good at it. But I have, a, like, a well-stocked pantry. So mm-hmm. to me, it was like, all right, I'm going to, like, conquer this. But then, you know, maybe, like, four days ago, I woke up feeling like – I wanted to do things that I've never wanted to do before, like ride a bike. On the beach. It was like, why is this occurring to me? Is this like this obstinate feeling in me? Or is it like because of the things that we can't have? I really wanted a tangerine. Well, that's the joke too. It's like, I wish I had a reason to come up
2: with excuses not to go out. You know, like that's the joke. Like, you know, we all just want to stay in. and, And now that we're realizing what we're missing.
0: Have you been calling people you haven't talked to in years? There's been a couple people, but in general,
2: I'm just sort of bonding with the people I'm closest to right now. Yeah. Yeah. But So
0: you've been getting in touch with people from years ago? Yeah, well, people that, you know, and and I'll give you like an uninteresting backstory. But a couple days ago, I was scrolling through my phone, and Sarah Gilbert, who, you know, she's so lovely. And years ago, she gave me her phone number. I had never called her, and she had never called me. But I called her. She answered immediately. We ended up having this, like, two-and-a-half-hour-long conversation about female friendships because I was like, hmm, Sarah, how, like, this is a skill that I'm not good at. And she gave me great advice. She was like, you have to, like, trust people and be open. I was like, okay, okay. I was like, taking notes. <laughs> this is a roundabout way of me asking you about going to an all-girls school And Mm. how if that made things easier, if you have a natural dialogue with women that feels like the secret code that I don't know. I think
2: I actually found my stride with my female relationships later in life. And look, there's a lot of benefits to it. But there's also like, you're not around boys at all. So there's a weird stunting of your growth with your relationships with men that I think Sort of for me at least, I'm sure it's not this way for everyone. Sort of impacted my relationships with everybody. Um, there's other things that go into that, but
0: does that mean that because I, even though I was very slow, um, you know, I, I, I didn't enter puberty till I was like 16, like I didn't, I was very slow to develop, but I was very cynical because I had mm. witnessed, you know, like boys being, you know, jerks or creepy or or whatever, right, you know. But I wonder if that made, like at least I observed as like a 12 year old, like just kind of like jerkish behavior with guys. So while I was totally boy crazy, which made my mom insane, I'm wondering, did you have a sense of, like when you talk about navigating those waters with guys, Like, what was that like, like, at 19? I didn't realize boys could be
2: friends. I was also boy crazy, and I just sort of thought that, well, what you do with boys is you sleep with them. Right. And my poor mother will kill me for saying that. But there was this weird thing of not understanding, coming out of high school, not understanding how to have a male friend and what that meant. And every single boy looked to me like a potential, like, lover or something right, right, right. or someone who was I, going I love to that you a lover like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, there is this like romantic notion of the Disney Prince you sure. know the Meghan Markle Prince yeah. Harry of it and so having not really witnessed not only not jerkish behavior but also like not realizing that you could be friends with boys there was a part of my life where I just sort of saw them all as an option and then you sort of Get out of that.
0: For me, it was I obsessively read Sweet Valley High. Mm-hmm. Like, like you're young, but that was sort of – or, like, even just watching movies or television shows. And I imagine if you weren't exposed to the disgusting behavior of, like, a 14-year-old boy.
2: <laughs> oh, I thought they were all, like, charming princes who were going to come
0: and save me.
2: <laughs> that had, like, yeah, a because- scrappy friend that was, right. like – Funny. And they were all going to be the way that it was in movies and in books. I'm going to come kiss you in the rain now. I'm going to come.
0: <laughs> right, right, yeah. I'm going to treat you right. Yeah, yep. And I'm the one who gets to, like, get that gift. How old were you when you had your first boyfriend? God, I was
2: probably, like, there were there was, like, this one boy from, like a, like, a brother's school to the school I went to who I think I, like, made out with. But it wasn't really a boyfriend. I think I was probably... 19 when I had my first
0: real boyfriend, so it was a little while. Wait, so when was that kiss, though?
2: Well, I would kiss boys. I don't know where I would... I was also, you know, I was on a soap opera when I was 16. I was on All My Children. For 43
0: episodes. Wow, look at you. Yeah, I'm I'm working on it. I'm working on it.
2: (laughs) I don't think I even knew that. And so they had me make out with these boys all the time on the soap opera, and I didn't know what I was doing.
0: Oh, well, that's and that's odd, too, to learn how to kiss. Oh, it was terrifying because it
2: was, like, this very vulnerable, intimate thing for me because I hadn't really kissed anyone oh completely I remember just being like 16 17 and and there was this one fantasy scene where it was this whole thing and there was actually a bed involved and that was just way too much for me I didn't even know what to do about that but it wasn't like I it wasn't some sort of like oh I was so uncomfortable and they forced me to do a thing it was just that it was you know when you're 16 and you're a
0: little naive it's all overwhelming totally but was the storyline like this guy wanted to take advantage of you
2: No, it was like he was my boyfriend and I was having a fantasy about what it would be like to be in bed with him. That's even weirder. Yeah, it was... That's odd. That Right? I don't know. And as someone who probably had never been in a bed with a boy before. Who are these writers? <laughs> That's right. Um, so the soap opera was really, it was an incredible experience. And, like, I learned how to find my light and, you know, this kind of thing. But I also probably had kissed more boys on that show than I had kissed in real life,
0: you know, for sure. I remember I did um, a movie where the leading – male and I had to kiss and he's, mm. he's a really handsome like lovely person but kissing him it felt like he really didn't want to kiss me at all. Oh god. Yeah it felt like I describe it to my friends in a joking way as trying to open up a clam with my mouth like oh my god like in th- this feeling that, not that I wanted to stick my tongue in his mouth at all but it felt like he would suck his lips in and it just felt like oh and he was a much bigger star is a much bigger star and I was I just felt like he hates me It made me feel so bad. I was like, I'm so vulnerable and this actor doesn't want to kiss me. (laughs) Well, that's the
2: thing about these scenes. Everyone's going to have their own level of comfort. And as an actor, you want to go in there and give it your all of how you'd fantasize it being on the big screen. But then... Sometimes both parties are not on the same page. So, right. yeah. No, I mean, I've had that before. And I've also had things where I really haven't want, wanted to kiss the oh, guy I before. I bet. And then but, you have to. And, I bet. But that, most of the time, it's totally, totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a couple of times. I think I've made out with more people on screen than... In real life still to this day. But, yeah, no, I – I, it's always so weird. I mean, people have said this before, but people think it's romantic. It's always weird, especially if, as you get older and then the person you're acting with is married with kids and,
0: you know, you've met – and then you're just in bed with – it's just very – it gets weirder and weirder. Oh, completely. Like, and I'm always concerned about my breath or, like – or Oh, sure. Like, or, like, like, do we talk this out? Like, it, it's just a fucking kiss. But at the same time, it, there's intimacy, of course, and right. then there's like 50 people, you know, like
3: staring right. at you.
0: watching. I did have an actor ask me to put Neosporin on my lips before we kissed. What? Yeah. It, it was right before we started shooting the scene. Right That's before. an outrageous request. It <laughs> made me feel awful. But he asked the PA for Neosporin. And I didn't know why he was asking for it. And Joe didn't know why he was asking for it. So Joe was like... So what's it for? Did you cut yourself? And he was like, no, no, no. We just, you know, it's always a good idea before a kissing scene that, you you know, somebody puts Neosporin on on their lips. I've never heard that before. Well, I hadn't either. But it made me feel, of course, like, how are we going to do this if you think I'm going to give you, like... I'm a relatively healthy person, but, like, oh, God. Vulnerable. Women are so vulnerable in that moment. Maybe he was a hypochondriac. I think so. He also complained about, like, the stages and stuff. He thought there was, like, dust from 200 years of movie making. Oh, so there you go. That's how I comforted myself. Oh, okay, yeah, he's messed up. Not that I am creepy or look really dirty. (laughs)
2: I would make out with you without news for and no problem. Alexander,
0: thank you. And, really you know, if that.
2: this quarantine goes on much longer, I
0: might be practicing with my roommates soon. All right. Well, as long as you film it and send it over. Oh, good. <laughs> so, female friendships, are you still close with a lot of your friends from school?
2: A couple. There's one person in particular I am. Um, I went on a really different path and left New York. You know, didn't really go to college and lost touch with a lot of people and then Some of it's just you grow and change, but I have a lot of friends from even just first moving out here, so I have some longer-term friends, and then one of the great things about what we do is you're constantly meeting new people, and you're always going from job to job. But then you lose touch with them, right? Sometimes, but I've actually been pretty good about staying in touch with a lot of movie friends.
0: This is why you don't need to make these awkward phone calls to people. Look, my approach
2: to this stuff is that we all go through different, like, state where we're more social, less social, we're busy, we're working on something, we're abroad, we're whatever, and I think everyone understands, like, this person's busy, this person's doing this, they might be away for three months doing a film, and then you can sort of pick up where you left off.
0: So I try to do that. Do you think that, like, would you go to your 10-year or your 20-year reunion? No. All right, Alexandra, she
2: left town. I just feel so different, and I would just feel so uncomfortable. Like, I don't know, you know. And the school I went to was really small. There were like 40 people in my grade. And I would just feel so weird, I think, seeing what everyone was up to.
1: When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring.
0: I went to my 20-year reunion, and I didn't have a lot of friends in general, and I hadn't kept in touch with anybody. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't be my top choice of how to spend an evening, necessarily. It's such an egotistical night, because all you are thinking about is, like, how people have perceived you.
2: Right. I think that's what I'm trying to avoid.
0: Yeah. But for me, it was comforting. It was like, oh, I remember you as a really quiet person. And that's Mm. how I remembered myself. And that made me feel grateful, because now I am clearly not... But I was also just looking for a, a bigger world, bigger experience. Like, right. I don't know. I just wanted to leave this beautiful, small suburban town that I grew up in. Where did you grow up? Edmonds, Washington. Nice. Just north of Seattle. Oh, it's beautiful up there. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It is, <laughs> listen, there's so much fucking gloom. It is so gloomy. I mean, from October to May, it's just dark. And people are right. like, oh, but I love the rain. And it's like, yeah, 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 rain, fine. But constant cloud cover. There's a reason we invented grunge and, like, Starbucks. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you know, there's a link there. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But... But I am so curious about the idea of female friendships. There
2: was a point in my life when I was adjusting out of high school, I was like, I'm going to be one of the guys girls like I'm going to be the girl that watches football and drinks like this whole like caricature of and I'm a little tomboyish, but I sort of had this idea that like, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, and then you, you grow out of that phase. And I have tremendous male friends and some of the most positive experiences of my life working, have been female directors. It's just a different perspective. And I think I just needed to get rid of any previous sort of ideas I had in my head of like what women are, because women are amazing. And they're actually not jealous and catty and all this stuff that's very cliche or was cliche. And my female friendships have been the most meaningful and important you know, things. And it's like, when you're going through a breakup, calling your female friends, it's a different perspective. So I'm really grateful. But I don't know exactly what that is, except dropping preconceived notions,
0: maybe. I don't know, because I think you touched on something that was really interesting about the idea of how, um, I mean, I used to, when I lived in the dorms, I had a bunch of like stoner friends. and I was like, I'm one of the dudes, because what I didn't, like, want to confront was that I didn't know how to relate to girls very well. So I I would be like, oh yeah, no, just like I get along better with guys. What I didn't realize was that was something that was immature in me. Right. And then if a guy said, "Yeah, she's pretty cool," I would be like, "Whoa, yeah, I'm cool," like because some fucking stoner who sleeps in a sleeping bag like granted me approval. What the fuck? Right. Like that right. is so stupid of me, but I think looking for that approval is something that we've been socialized towards.
2: Yeah, there's something like cool in high school or college about being the girl that can hang with the guys, but that's all just an idea.
0: Mm-hmm. Like that defensiveness kept me from friends with some probably some pretty great ladies. And I missed out on that because I was too busy, like attempting to get approval by liking 311. Um, That's a
3: band.
2: For me, I think, you know, I mean, I've always had female friends. I think I have more now. But I think that for some of it, it's just fear and getting to know yourself better and being more confident.
0: Yes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I think it's tricky in our industry to not let a competitive... Element in, but I do really love the last five years. It feels like there's a shift of something. Like I like to think, or maybe I'm just getting older. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So wait. Uh, you don't have to tell us if you're single or if you're dating.
2: Whatever. I've always been so hesitant to talk about my relationships, just because I feel like I'm so. I don't want to say bad at them, because I'm not going to say bad things about myself. But there's always part of me that's tried to keep it private just because, you know, if you break up, it's sort of embarrassing or it's very private. And so I, oh yeah, yeah, I mean, through like yes, two
0: divorces. but I feel like marriage
2: is a different <laughs> thing. Like, I think with that, you're all in and I really believe in marriage and I believe in giving it, I do you too. know, and I haven't been married, so I don't know, you know, but I think for me and my you know, piddly little relationships. I never really...
0: Alexandra, I think you're... I don't know if it's... I don't mean to be dismissive towards people who are very public with their relationships, but I very much concur because I think that it's protecting the exploration without all like the weirdness of the external forces like oh my god they're so cute together oh my god like what what, what like yes or no he's
2: not good for you right or, he's this or the attention of it and and i'm still learning i'm still learning about relationships i'm a little behind and still learning about myself so i i genuinely feel like talking about it would just be detrimental to me, the
0: guy, whatever. I think you're completely right. I totally do. Because a relationship doesn't need the additional pressure of everyone commenting on on everything. Do you read? I don't read a lot of my social media stuff.
2: I don't anymore. I used to. And then I quickly discovered that it was driving me insane. I will say, like, my fans, they're lovely. But... Every now and then you'll run across something that's so negative and I think it it
0: does affect you completely and you can't forget like I feel like if yeah. even if I get euphoric dementia when I'm 80 those comments will still linger yeah they've inserted themselves as like a poisonous seed in your right. brain and your memory and it feels inconceivable to spread that kind of hate so that's also the other confounding part yeah that wouldn't even occur to me to be that interested in somebody else to spread hate towards them or whatever. I mean, I've even
2: had situations where I've had people I was dating call me because, like, someone on the Internet will find out we're dating or and they'll just be sending them the meanest things. And You know, people in the public eye are more – you get it more. But I think it can be quite
0: shocking. And uh, the ability to be anonymous, to be an an anonymous, you know, critic – it just feels like, why again? Like, why would you do that? Right. I don't think that everything has to be on display. And I feel I think that there's this pressure for people in the public eye to put things on display or what, whatever that is. Before all of this, I don't know. I was very private and protective of my relationships.
2: There's something I really admire about that, too, where you want to protect something that's sacred to you. And I, yeah. think, that's, I think that's a really beautiful thing. Um, I think for me, I get into – I think I just – and it goes back to why I don't really share my relationships publicly.
0: Completely. I do something where I don't tell any of my female friends if there's anything wrong. Mm. I always want to protect a relationship that I believe in. But I also think that I could have saved myself some grief, I think, especially in my 20s, if I had been like, hey, is that is that behavior kind of, would that rub you the wrong way? Mm. <laughs> like to some of my friends, like, they be like, what the fuck? Get the fuck out of there. But um, But instead I didn't because I'm proud and not like i didn't want to be vulnerable right because i bet there's some friends out there that would have been like yeah we could have told you right he was a dick (laughs) (laughs) okay wait i want to ask you some deal breakers imagining that you're single okay okay so um at first it's like you know when you're at dinner like maybe it's your second date and he's like oh my bro is calling
2: i don't think that's a deal breaker all right. In and of itself. I'd need more information. Yeah. So no. Okay. I will say, I don't think I've ever dated someone who said bro a lot. So maybe that speaks to something.
0: Well, I think that there's also like, if he calls like the waiter bro, like, hey bro, can we get some more bread? Or if oh, he's like, weird. that's my bro Colin." I-
2: is it just <laughs> a quirk or is it like, I mean. I don't know. I not date- a, I'm going to say not a deal breaker without further information.
0: I like that. Okay. So he. Coats his feet in Vaseline and puts on socks. How do you feel?
2: If that's what makes them happy. Yeah. Look, I mean, I don't think I'd break up with them over it, but right. I certainly would mock them for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the softest feet, though.
2: I mean, I'm very into feet. Are
0: you? No, no, I'm not. I don't think about feet one way or the other, really, so. All right. Okay, on the first date, he asks you if you're cold. Mm. And he says... I don't want to be rude, but your nipples are hard. Ooh. Um, That would be a deal breaker
2: because you wouldn't need to mention what's going on with my nipples. If you were asking if I was cold, I can tell you if I am or not. I actually had a guy do that once. What? It It wasn't on the first date, but maybe like the third he mentioned that he had seen me in a park, that he had seen my nipples and they were hard and... And he thought maybe that that meant that my tits were fake or something. And that was something that I felt maybe shouldn't have
0: been shared.
2: What's up know. with
0: that? What is up with that? Isn't that fundamentally bizarre? It's, it feels like the, you know that book, The Game, like the whole philosophy. Yes, this, yeah, I do. It's to like be
2: sort of passive aggressively mean to a woman in order ooh. to get them to sleep with you. Yeah,
0: right, right, right. Is that the attempt to be like so outrageous that,
2: or if it's just like an honest man brain comment? But it's one of those things that I think, especially on a third date, could have been filtered
0: out. Yeah, stopping it. Are you cold? Is okay.
2: Yeah, so that's a deal breaker.
0: Okay, before you guys sleep together for the first time, he shows you his STD report card.
2: Oh, I think that's fine. I think that's great. I'm all about being safe, and I think that's a really nice thing to do, very considerate. Or at least shows that that's important to them.
0: What if it's not all, like, flying colors, you know? Like, if they currently have an STD? What STD would be a deal-breaker, Alexandra?
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh, well, let me think. Gonorrhea is curable, so is syphilis,
0: um,
2: unless you have the really potent strain. I'm a big believer in getting tested regularly and being honest with your partners. So, hey, I think that's great. But yeah, if they have an STD, no, I wouldn't go to bed with them. No,
0: great. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean,
2: I'm proud every time I get my clean STD bill. It's
0: good. Okay, so let's say you guys are a month into dating. He offers to do your laundry while you're at work. Mm. And when you come back, all your whites have a kind of a pinkish hue. Oh, my gosh.
2: I mean, it's not a deal breaker, but I'm not one to... Pick fights over something so stupid, but I would definitely have to teach him to do laundry. But it's all—it's all about the intentions. So if he was—it was, was well intentioned. So how could that be a deal breaker? I'm so
0: with you. I'm so with you. I mean, <laughs> at, at least I would hope that he would kind of notice, like, oopsie. We all make mistakes. You yeah, know? and I think you're right. Like the intention is sweet. Yes. Um, unless he really wants you to just wear pink all the time because it turns him on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, he's thirty five and still a virgin
2: <laughs> um, not a deal breaker. I would be totally curious to figure out how that had happened. So I would go on a few dates with someone who was a virgin. I mean, at the end of the day, that wouldn't be a deal breaker.
0: there There might be reasons that led to that that would be deal breaking, but you know, well, that's the thing. Maybe he was in a coma for, you know, 20 years and maybe he's not a virgin, but he doesn't even know it. <laughs> Ultimately, you
2: know, teach their own. It probably wouldn't work out long term. I
0: don't know. There's also like something kind of hot about being able to totally blow somebody's mind
2: well yeah I mean would I be his first or would he be like I'm sorry I'm saving myself for marriage no
0: no, yo he would totally be his first he was like oh fuck I hit the jackpot I've been waiting for you oh sure I mean why not (laughs) I've never done that before Baywatch. fuck yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay last one he owns a tiger
2: Oh, you're bringing Tiger King into this! I, I haven't I see. seen it. Uh, We started to watch it, though. Is it good? Oh my gosh, it's so good! It's so good. Yeah. Okay, let me answer. Deal breaker. He owns a tiger. Probably a deal breaker for a variety of reasons. If you saw this documentary, you'd also understand. Everyone in this documentary who owns a tiger is, I can't really even begin to explain it. So the documentary almost becomes like the abuse of the animals, which is very real, almost becomes a device to see like everything. And the documentary makes this point. You see all these people, human beings, just the tigers don't even really seem to matter to them. It's, you know. People's own personal vendettas and their greed and their whatever. And the whole point of the rescuing tigers becomes like totally moot. But you have to watch it. It's incredible. I've never seen such characters in my life. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be turned into a movie. And you better believe I'm going to fight hard for some kind of role in that film. I will do one line in it.
0: I wanted to ask you what roles you would love to play or what roles have been most rewarding to you?
2: Um, I just want to work with good people, good directors. I want to have a good time. I love doing romantic comedies and I think that there's, there's so much room for, especially now with streaming, for really some incredible romantic comedies that play with what we expect them to be. I I love doing period pieces. I did this film called We Have Always Lived in the Castle. It was a period piece and I love doing it. I love playing somebody from a completely different time. What was the time period? Uh, It was 1950s. Oh. Yeah, based on a Shirley Jackson novel.
0: I never get period stuff.
2: I love it. I mean, the clothes, the hair, the makeup, so much fun. Yeah. I feel really lucky to be a working actress. And, you know, I've I've done all kinds of the things that I'm known for are certain things. And look, my bread and butter is that. That's totally fine with me. And if I get every now and then to play and try something different, that's great, too. I don't have like a specific character in mind except for this tiger king movie i would love to play
0: the one you to be like a meth head
2: oh my gosh i so badly i would love it
0: i would love to play joe exotica can i just be like your exasperated aunt or older stepsister that's just like i hate her i just want to come to set every day and not have to put on makeup yeah, although I did put on makeup for you, but I did a t- horrible job. I put on makeup for you, too.
2: I love I, you. I know you can't tell, but I I threw You're, some mascara on. You look beautiful.
0: Okay, life questions. What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Mint chip. Uh, what was your favorite children's book?
2: <sighs> children's book. I mean, Goodnight Moon, I, you know, we're going back to very young child. Heady. Night Moon. <laughs> mm where the Wild Things Are. I mean, all the famous ones, I guess. Everyone reads the same children's books, don't they?
0: <laughs> what was your favorite
2: toy as a child? Oh, God. I loved my Barbies. I did, too. Yeah, I loved, like, getting my Barbies dressed up and having all different kinds of clothes for my
0: Barbies. That was fun. Okay. What did you want to be growing up? A lawyer
2: and then an actor, which are sort of the same thing,
0: right? Yeah. Good attempt to convince. That's yeah. right. What was your first boss
2: like? Uh, I don't have memories of having terrible bosses. Like I worked at an ice cream parlor when I was 15. He was great. And then I worked for all my children and they were great. They did fire me, but they were nice about it.
0: Oh, gosh, now I'm kind of hung up on you getting
2: fired. I, I can elaborate. I was 17. I was on this soap. We were teenagers hired to play teenagers, and we were the teen scene. And did, they were trying to make it work, and it didn't work. It, and- because teenagers are at school when – Oh, my children is on. My guess was this was back in 2002, 2003. Soaps were sort of beginning to die at that time. Um, They're still around, but they were struggling, I think, more than they had been. So they were trying to get a younger audience. And that's just my guess, though. But, yeah, it didn't work.
0: Um, What's your greatest fear? My
2: biggest fear. Fear. Um, Oh, God. I mean, we're sort of living in a big fear right now. Yeah. You know, the fear of not being loved, I guess. I mean, that's sort of a very basic one, but, you know. I love that. I was going to go with, like, getting
0: burnt alive. Like.
2: I mean, I also was going to say like brain amoebas, you know, those stories that come out of Louisiana or Texas sometimes where someone's done like a nutty pot with their well water and an amoeba slowly eats their brain away and there's nothing anyone can do about it.
0: It's already happening to me, but I'm in a euphoric, like a happier place, you know, because like the Sure. It's slowly eating away at the frontal lobe when you're
2: forgetting all the bad stuff. It's so good for you. Um,
0: What is a fear you had when you were younger that you no longer have?
2: Oh, God. You know, monsters under the bed. Definitely
0: had a fear of, like, ghosts or monsters. Very typical kid stuff. I was thinking about that question. I don't know exactly how I would answer it. No one's asked me these questions, Alexandra. Um, okay. So what what is your favorite sick slash rainy day movie? Like the one that you turn to when Notting Hill. I love that movie, that's great. That movie is really something. That is a fantastic film. Because you also really. get to yeah. escape to London and like, in that great scene where Julia Roberts is like, I've had my nose done. Oh, it's so good. Um, okay, these ones are tricky. What is the trait you most dislike in yourself?
2: Oh God, um, I think I have a uh, lack of confidence around romantic relationships that speaks to something deeper. And that's something I'm definitely working on, like setting boundaries and learning. You know, I think that there's a, I think that comes from a sort of profound, some, some kind of specific insecurity.
0: Yeah. Okay. What is a trait you most dislike in others?
2: Um, Well, there's two, I mean, the main one is sort of, this is sort of obvious, but Cruelty. And that's, I think that there are a lot of people walking around who they haven't done enough work on themselves to even understand why they're being so judgmental of other people, which can lead to cruelty. And when you see people really judging others or really comfortable being mean or speaking about them in a really negative way, I think that that says more about the person who's saying it than the person that they're talking to. About, and 100%. I think it sets a bad example. Like if you're on set and you're with a bunch of actors, and if someone's going on and saying something terrible or judging someone for something or a specific way that they work or that they are or whatever, I think that that can rub off on people who don't know better. So yeah. I'm not a huge fan of that.
0: No, I love I love that answer too because I also think that it's a very revealing in one's own security, of course, and right. any kind of catty critique. just feels uncreative. Right. Okay. Who would you invite to your dream dinner party? Oh, my gosh.
2: Um, Steve Martin, Obama. How many people can I invite? Mm, ever? I don't know. (laughs) A whole team of people. (laughs) Um, I mean, Steve Martin. I'd love Martin Short. I'd love to have dinner with Steve Martin and Martin Short. That seems like a lot of fun. The only risk is that they sort of have such great banter that they leave you out. The, the idea is you need to sort of – you need to inject yourself into it so that they can, at the end of it, be like, wow, you really fit in with our group. You're, you belong in this witty and charming duo. That's my dream. <laughs> and me. That's right.
0: <laughs> um, okay. In one word, how would you like to be remembered? It's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. I don't know why I take it so seriously. It's like if this is know. this is the answer you
2: give, this is the answer yep. that's yep. gonna stick Yeah. I mean I'd like to I'd like to be remembered as being funny or, you know, charming or kind, you know, which is sort of boring. But I would like to be yeah, I guess kind. It's a little boring, but hey, why not? Or hot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> ah look, I wasn't hot in
2: high school, but now I am I love it. And that's how I'm remembered.
0: Yeah, for sure. Alex right. Alex was very hot. <laughs> <laughs> May have been a late bloomer, but man. <laughs> I love that we have just met, and I just adore you. You're such a kindred spirit. and oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> Thank no. you. yeah, I'm really sweet. That's how I want to be remembered. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Not hot. I'm sweet. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, now we're going to call one of our listeners and try to give some unqualified
1: advice. Okay.
0: Hello? Katherine! Hi. Hi, it's Anna Ferris, and I'm here, well, virtually here, with Alexandra Daddario.
1: Hi. Hi, guys.
0: Hi. Hey, Catherine, will you tell us what's going on?
3: Yeah, so a couple years ago, um, I came out as bisexual um, the end of my junior year of college, and about... Six months later, I started dating this girl I've been crushing on for a while. We had been friends for like a year and she had been off and on with this guy. And when I thought they were off, I told her that i had feelings for her, which was kind of sort of the craziest thing I've ever done. And she told me that they had actually just like gotten back on and that she did not like me, which was confusing. But I was like, okay, cool. I, like, need some space, but would love to, like, be friends with you again at some point. But then a couple months later, after not really talking, she told me they broke up and wanted to start dating. So, uh, yeah, we started dating. And then this past June, I uh, graduated and moved to Los Angeles. She's two years younger and still in school in Chicago. So we decided to do long distance and it was going all right she was here for years and i went to chicago for our anniversary in february um but long distance had been like hard and we had had like very clear conversations about taking it week by week and being really honest with how we were feeling about everything um but we had a really like wonderful four-day weekend for our anniversary and like a really sad goodbye and then three days later after i came back to la and was at work she called me and um ended it. So I guess what I'm trying to grapple with is just like how quickly and suddenly everything seemed to change for her. In the breakup she made it very clear that long distance was just too hard. She thought I deserved better. She couldn't give me what I wanted, like all this stuff that felt like kind of a line. And she said she didn't feel this way until I like literally left Chicago a few days prior so I, I guess I'm just like confused how it all changed in three days we've been dating for a while and it sort of felt like she kind of gave up my parents long distance for years without, before FaceTime they just like wrote letters to each other while they didn't see each other for like months at a time and they were each other's first love and they're still happily married and I think part of me thought like okay like maybe this isn't maybe I'm one of those people who is with their first love forever that's kind of nice and romantic um, and it's been over for about like just over a month since we broke up and I so I know it's not a long time but the idea of being with someone else just feels like really wrong I feel like a switch just kind of flipped for her and I didn't see it coming at all so my question is just like how do you move on when it feels kind of like circumstance is what broke you up um I definitely do feel somewhat betrayed by the like blindsidedness of the breakup. So sometimes I feel angry at her for that. But at the end of the day, like I understand where she's coming from. Um, Yeah. And just miss her.
0: Yeah, of course you do. God, I'm sorry. Of course you do because you were in love. And that's like, oh, God. My parents have been married for, I don't know, 230 years. And they were each other's first loves. And my brother and I talk about this. The same thing that you bring up about the idea that because our parents and we both have been divorced twice (laughs) yeah i know it's not that funny but it makes me laugh
2: and how old are you catherine um i'm 23. 23 i mean all i can say from my perspective is that be comforted in knowing that you sort of have to have your heart broken at least once if not multiple times to figure out who you are and it's going to feel like more painful than you can even imagine but you will love someone again. And I know it doesn't feel like that right now, but when you're ready and you will be ready, it doesn't even matter why or why she changed her mind or, you know, and she could even come back. You don't know. But I think that, you know, realizing that you can get back out there And that you will love again.
0: Alexandra and Catherine, I want to ask you guys both this. Don't you think that when you've gone through a heartbreak, there is that overwhelming feeling of like needing answers. Yeah. And needing contact and the idea of closure, which is something I've kind of been vocal about how I don't believe in it because I I just don't think it happens. Right. But it feels awful to be in a position of neediness, of needing... An answer of why I wasn't good enough or like, wh- what is the validation. Sometimes the rejection overwhelms whatever the relationship was. Right, yeah. And there's a lot of pain in that. But I don't think you're going to get answers with her, you know. And I don't want you to put yourself in a more vulnerable place by searching for those things. I'm so sorry that you're going through heartbreak I will tell you, though, I hate the idea that my parents, I love them so much, but I hate it that they haven't gone through heartbreak
2: mm, Right.
0: because they don't know. They just don't know. Like that devastation of, of rejection in this complicated time is.
3: Yeah, my parents' advice has been like, well, just, you know. Move on. Mm. Like, okay. (laughs) Like, my dad was like, I had a crush on a girl once and uh, she didn't reciprocate. And that was hard. (laughs) One hardship in love. But Catherine, but it
0: fucking sucks to not get answers to like, why wasn't I this person for you? It sucks. And you may get those answers one day, but she doesn't probably have them. Or, you know what I mean? Like, there isn't like the missing piece of the puzzle that like fits in perfectly. Like, oh, okay, now I get it. It just fucking sucks to be lonely, especially in this time and heartbroken, and I'm really sorry.
2: It sounds cliche, and as someone who has been brokenhearted many times, I think it's just a matter of knowing that the right person won't break your heart. That sounds so cliche, and it's not going to help you right now, but the more you can sort of, you know... And right now you can do your FaceTime dates. You can get back on when you're ready. It's actually a good time to start dating because you don't have to do the intimacy or you can just do a FaceTime date and do something really casual and sort of see how it feels to talk to someone new. And you might be surprised. But if it's too painful for you, just know that like, it sucks. It's the worst feeling in the world. But the right person, that won't happen with.
0: And I I think that, you know, heartbreak and Especially at your age, I think that there's so much of like, what is wrong with me? And that can be pretty devastating and then can make you wary when you get into your next relationship or if somebody is loving towards you, you may feel like, you know, a little bit of a mule kick back. I just made that term up.
3: <laughs> I like that. Thanks.
0: <laughs> but, it, but it's like, no, I don't deserve this. Like, you're too nice.
3: Yeah. She was just, like, generally, like, one of the most loyal people people I've ever met so I think that was also just surprising how like like the way in which she broke up with me felt a little bit like heartless <laughs> right. in a sense so I was also just like oh like I trusted you not only as a friend but as like a partner and so for that I'm just like I don't know I, I mean I hope I'm able to like trust someone again but that is also a fear for sure yeah.
0: And that's, God, that's so, so natural and like and normal. But I, I think that you'll probably be tempted to reach out to her and and figure out these answers with her or maybe like, you know, follow her online and stuff. And if you can, I would resist that temptation a bit because I think while there is comfort in in pouring like lemon juice on the wound a bit. I would attempt, if you can, to not reach out to her for answers. Because she one, she probably doesn't have them. Mm-hmm. And two, if she does, I don't think you'll get a lot of healing from being inquisitive with her right now. It could maybe in like a year, maybe, or six months, maybe. But I, I would attempt, if you can. I know for me it would be so hard to resist. But if you can, hold off on Any kind of outreach with her and you can regroup and, you know.
2: I totally agree with that. I think you have to go into this sort of intensive mode and it seems awful because you're the rejected party, but like... If you can have no contact with her and if you need to mute her Instagram or Twitter or whatever, don't look at anything. You don't need to know what she's up to. This is your time to heal and to move forward to the best extent that you can. And if that means doing your FaceTime dates, chatting with friends, whatever you need to do to get through it, but she hurt you. So now you need to get away from that source of hurt and try to move forward. And the best way is to not dwell on it. You'll drive yourself insane. Every crying phone call I've gotten from a girlfriend when they're going through breakups is because they went on the Instagram page and they saw something they didn't wanna see or they saw him having or her having a great time. And it's just, you don't need that negativity. It'll drive you crazy. So I, I think, you know, Go into sort of getting through heartbreak mode and try your best to distract yourself. Yeah, in in the healthiest way you can.
0: We don't want to do anything crazy. God, I I so feel the heartbreak that you're experiencing and the confusion of like, well, well why, what 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 do, what was I not for this person?
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But I really think that you're going to come out on the other side and and have and have a fuller experience of life. Yeah. I know that we're not exactly telling you what you need to hear or want to hear, you know, because it's vague. Right. But heartbreak is, it is just like, it's the struggle and the journey of all of our lives. (laughs) I'm so sorry, Catherine. And you know what? It would be so obnoxious for me to be like, go for a run.
3: (laughs) Well, weirdly, this quarantine has sort of been nice because I thought work would be a good distraction for a while and then I was just kind of distracted at work. And now I actually came home. So I'm my parents are feeding me all day and I'm just like in my childhood bed. (laughs) And it's weirdly like cathartic in a way. (laughs) Someday you're gonna
2: be laying in the arms of someone who you love and you've been with for a long time and you will be telling them this story about your quarantine heartbreak and it'll <laughs> be a, a story and a memory to you. And that's true. This will all be just a story one day and you're just living in your own little movie and sometimes getting through the hardest times you have to sort of picture yourself as the heroine of your own your own story and your own film. You're just going through this part of it. And it's all going to be something that you just tell one day. And I know it doesn't feel like that. But as someone who's really gone through heartbreak, I mean, I was amazed by how heartbreak affects you physically. It's awful. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you will come out on the other side of it and have it be a distant memory. So just be easy with yourself and go through the, the, the motion. Take your time with it. It'll, it'll disappear.
0: Maybe just like putting on a great playlist going for a long walk, you know, worry that, that maybe you'll be, you know, tracking things online with her and stuff. Yeah. I want you to attempt to, like, kind of get your head out of that element.
3: I have muted her on all, like, social platforms, but I mean, I'm still, like, it's 1am and I'm on my phone. I sometimes still go to her page, but yeah, the me, it doesn't help in that situation <laughs> when you're actively searching someone. Yeah,
0: well, if it's Comfort you in any way, Catherine. Uh, I had fraternity boys walk me back from my ex's fraternity like late at night because I was so like, where is he? Why doesn't he like me? <laughs> and <laughs>
2: Yeah, I've, I've had to have people take my phone away so I don't send weird emails. <laughs> <the night. laughs> so it happens to the best of us.
0: It sucks, but I do think that it, it makes a person more empathetic to go through, oh gosh, like the sadness.
3: <laughs> Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans.
0: Thank you so much for telling your story. I mean, this is the this is the story of our lives, like rejection and heartbreak, especially in your 20s. I think when things feel so intensified, you're finally figuring out who you are and what you're going to do with your life, what your trajectory is, and then to get rejected is really intense. Please uh, love yourself and reach out to some old friends that you haven't for a while or you know and um yeah i think that sarah's trying to figure out stuff for her, herself as well but i think there isn't anything you can do to convince her to be with you right now yeah i think you need to let her come to you if that does happen having said that Catherine, none of my exes have like come back to, like, begged for me <laughs> i've always <laughs> wanted that moment <laughs> I've always wanted it.
2: And you know what? I have had that happen and it hasn't always turned out well. Like, I've had people come back begging and then it's just a disaster the second time around. So, you know, you never know what can happen, but, you know, it's not about you. You shouldn't take it personally. I mean, like, plenty of people get rejected and you shouldn't feel at all like it has anything to do with you and you'll be okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I know that there's an important issue that we didn't really touch on with your letter, which is that you you came out as bi last year. And I'm sure that must have taken a lot of courage. And thank you for talking about that.
3: No, thank you. I like I've been listening to you while like so deeply in the closet and repressed and hoping to like, at some point in my life have some kind of experience and love. So as much (sighs) as this sucks, like talking to you about it is kind of a like silver lining. And everything,
0: oh so. God, Catherine, that thank makes you. me want to cry. Thank you so much. Truly. Thank you so much because we, you know, like starting this podcast has been, I, I, because I truly am unqualified. I just want to give like people love. Um, so oh God, <laughs> thank you though. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I love you so much. And thank you for your courage and thank you for sharing your story. I love you both. Bye. <laughs> Bye. I love you too. Hey, Brittany. Hi. Hi, Brittany. It's Anna Ferris and Alex D'Addario. Brittany, tell us what's happening.
1: So my ex and I, we were together for about a little over eight years and broke up about 10 months ago and haven't really had contact throughout those 10 months. I mean, we mainly broke up just because we started living just very separate lives. Became more of like a roommate situation. You know, we really, really cared for each other, but like, I don't just lost or whatever um we had a lot of issues that were never resolved i felt like we kept fighting over the same things, and i felt like he wasn't trying to improve his life in the ways i was and i always felt like i wasn't number one in his life over his friends there's a lot of tension um and he ended up breaking up with me in a text message which was a whole other thing and i ended up just not fighting for the relationship i felt like it was over anyways so we you know split up our lives he moved out of our place. I stayed in our place. And um, it's a very small city. So I just felt like I couldn't heal and grow there. So I ended up moving to Tacoma, Washington for about five months and um, and then moved back recently. And we reconnected through um, me texting him one night. Not proud of it, but I was very drunk. <laughs> and I texted him. Happy belated birthday. And that kind of sparked us talking again and hanging out. And um, we started hooking up again and having sex and like it feels like we're dating it's just really confusing so like I'm just very very confused what's going on with us and I feel like kind of like an idiot but I'm also really enjoying our time together so I would like some advice (laughs) if I'm I'm making a
0: terrible mistake. (laughs) (laughs) So how does it make you feel when like you guys are together and how do the encounters end like do you feel like you're not fully connected I mean clearly you guys are in like this weird limbo thing right
1: yeah like it's weird because it feels very of course natural being with him because we were together for so long and like throughout the 10 months like I became more comfortable being alone and did a lot of work on myself and apparently he did too which I never thought he was capable of so it was, it's weird to see like the same person but like a whole other side of him that I'd never knew it existed the side that I wanted him to embrace when we were together that he didn't so it's like I'm getting this version of him that I always wanted and so when we're together it's just really nice but it's also really confusing because I'm like we had this breakup and was kind of a dick after the breakup and like it's just hard for me to move past that and i I don't even know if i have that conversation myself like do we get back together i'm not even thinking about that holy at the moment
0: but is like when you guys like hook up and sleep together like is he kind does he make you feel
1: good yes
2: yes how long have you guys been sort of fake back together for
1: um probably three weeks
2: now if he were to act like this for let's say you guys permanently get back together and do you think he would keep this up for you know a long period of time do you think he'd continue to sort of behave like this the changes that you wanted him to make do you think that he'd be able to keep that up for a
1: year or two or forever see that's what I worry about because like in the relationship like for years I you know wanted him to make these changes and then all of a sudden he does now so I'm like is it real you know like I don't even know
3: <sighs> and, and then
1: I feel like part of me just just like I haven't even told a lot of my good friends just because I feel like I'm looking like I'm
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I, I totally. I, mean, I totally get that. I was talking to Alexandra about the same thing. I really think, Brittany, that that having an honest conversation with him, and if you are the kind of person like I am where I can't be sexually involved with anybody without emotion, that's just who I am. I don't know if you're like that or not, but if you are, then I think it's important to make sure that you, you know, ha- have a conversation with him and, and ask him, like, so, you know, this hurt when when you left me. It felt abrupt. It felt like you were cold, which hurt me. I miss you. I want to be a part of your life, but I can't do it again without communicate or honesty or whatever. Yeah.
1: And I, I am like you in that way where I do need emotion with sex. I've, I've never been good at the other way of doing
0: that. Well, in my past, you know how sometimes breakups are really slow, like you have like a massive breakup and then a few months later you get back together Mm. it's almost like carbon testing or something there's like a half-life but it's like then you get back together for like half of the the time of your relationship and then you break up again and then you get together for half of that time of your relationship and it's just this slow weaning process which I've been through a few times because I'm a cynical optimist, but I would be aware of those things. And also besides like the intimacy and the physical contact, which I crave, uh, I think probably most people do, but what else he gives to you outside of those elements does he make you feel strong you know do you guys actually enjoy each other's company outside of the physical intimacy stuff or is this a reactionary thing that where you guys are both lonely and and familiar with each other you do you know what I mean
1: yeah that's what I'm worried of like oh this is very fun and exciting and kind of forbidden at the moment and like Am I just, like, liking the attention or, like, the, the love? Because I know he really does love me, and I care about him, too. And I, I still love him, too. But, like, I'm like, do I want to invest any more time into this when I already invested so much of my time and heartbreak? and
0: I, I know, and I haven't said it for a long time, but, Brittany, protect your heart. You know what I mean? I think it's fine to connect and have fun and, like, or whatever, but... Because I don't like that he was a dick when you broke up. That was a flag for me when yeah. you said that. And we didn't explore yeah. it, but I don't like it.
2: And I mean, look, like, this will all become clear to you. And if you feel like it sounds like you're a little on, you're on the fence. So maybe this is time for you to explore that. And, you know, I don't know which side it'll come down on. But maybe this is the time for you to to figure that out. And it will become clear eventually if he is is making you happy or not.
0: And I think that what we fail to do, because we're not taught it very well, is how we clock and register our own feelings. Like, if my immediate reaction is like, oh, this feels bad, I don't clock it. Instead, I'm like, oh, how can I get this person to like me? As opposed to being like, why am I not taking my own emotional temperature in any way? I don't think we're sort of taught to, like, calculate those things but with relationships and friendships I think that we should be a little bit more aware of like oh okay on a scale of like one to five how did that encounter make me feel as opposed to being proactively trying to solve a problem I think that it's worth taking a step back because truthfully Brittany I having no idea what your ex is like I don't know about people changing I'm still really on the fence about that I just want you to be loved I want you to be loved and adored.
1: Yeah, like be loved and adored. You know, there's like that fantasy period in the beginning in all relationships, and this is kind of the beginning of a friendship, new relationship, whatever we're doing. And like, you know, I don't want to be blinded by the fantasy of it all. I want it to be sustainable. And that's what I'm like trying to pay attention to and be like, is this real? Is, are all these changes real?
0: Well, Brittany, I, I love it that your your awareness is high. I would be careful about if he starts using a lot of dialogue of, like, let's just be friends, because I think that leaves you vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So just clock that. You don't have to, like, take any action on it or whatever, because uh, to me, that's also a red flag. Like, like, so what does that mean? Like, you want, like, my body like what kind of friendship is this are you somebody that I can call like late at night and tell you that I'm pissed off at my sister or like or whatever it is probably not but maybe maybe I'm wrong I, I don't know but I would just be cautious of, of that kind of dialogue of like the let's just be friends and hook up because I think that that's probably not what I just think it leaves you susceptible to you know, to to not feeling like you're fucking full awesome worth. Yeah.
2: I totally agree with that. Make sure that you set sort of a boundary for yourself as far as what you want for yourself. And is he fulfilling it or is he just trying to fill sort of a – A lonely time, but it will become clear to you even if you do get back together, it'll become clear very quickly whether he's changed or not or whether he's what you want. I mean, you guys have spent enough time together to know the things that you don't want. So if he's unable to sustain the the things that you need, you're smart enough to know that it's not going to make you
0: happy and you'll get out of there.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely going to be taking notes of all that stuff.
0: (laughs) Uh, I know these are crazy times, and uh, and thank you for, for sharing this.
1: Thank you for your advice, and I don't think it's unqualified. I think you are very qualified.
3: <laughs> Thanks, Brittany, and
0: please know that it's truly because I feel like so many of these things I've lived, and God, I sound like my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Brittany, thank you so much. I love you and please, please, please keep us posted. I, I know we're gonna get feedback on this Hello. because you were not alone. Oh, I, I would love to hear it. Okay, all right, all right. Thanks, <laughs> well, thank Brittany you guys.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks, Bye. Brittany. Thank you.
0: Do you have a favorite joke?
2: A favorite joke? I used to tell this joke that's so stupid that, you know, I'm almost embarrassed to share it, but it's, uh, my little cousin gave it to me and I was so delighted by it that I think I, I think I've done it. It's definitely worn out. It's just three elephants are on a cliff, two fall on land, one falls in the water. Boom <laughs> I love it. It's just so absurd and stupid and that's really my sense of humor. It's very absurd. Uh-huh. I really have a very absurd approach to life and comedy and and that's sort of my sense of humor. I love that.
0: Hey Alexandra, thank you so much. Thank you so much. This was so fun. You were so kind and your advice was amazing and I can't thank you enough for doing this. Thank How was you. the experience for you? I've never asked a uh, guest that actually
2: it was extremely positive. And it's nice because, you know, it's nice to talk to someone who I don't know and and have a new conversation, you know?
0: Yeah. In the time of coronavirus and quarantine. In the time of coronavirus. And you will be remembered as, wait, what? Oh, hot. Yeah, hot. Hot. That's all I really want from yeah. my life. <laughs> <laughs>